The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody. That's right. This is heck of a morning. Well, I guess, you know, uh, we, we, uh, we talked about this. I got a lot of great suggestions from uh, people uh, sending me DMs, just, uh, you know, adding me on Twitter. Great suggestions for what to call the show in Mike's absence. But uh, first thought, best thought, we said Lee of a morning fits like a glove. You know, the wordplay just as good. So that's where we're going with it. It is, it is Lee of a morning for uh, the next couple of days. Hoping to do at least two shows this week, guys. I want to be with you on Tuesday and Thursday while uh, the beloved Mike Heck is on a well-deserved vacation. The man has not taken a real vacation in I don't know how many years. Uh, Even when he's taken time off, he's still done interviews. He's still done shows. I think he might still be doing an interview this week. But otherwise, Mike uh, is going to be in full Florida Mike mode. So uh, feel free to listen. You guys can DM him on Instagram. You guys can add him on Twitter. I don't know if he'll get a reply. He's off the grid, and, and, and I'm glad he is. And he's just enjoying his his great New England sports teams being in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, it's good It's good that Mike is having that time. So we are here at Lee of a Morning. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to recap, really. I mean, I know it's Tuesday, guys. I know the weekend has already, uh, you know, the Monday morning cooler buzz has already happened. But there was so much stuff to talk about. I think even on the MMA Hour and, and some of the shows we've done, it was hard to get it all. We had a UFC Vegas card, which somewhat was flying under the radar, maybe not as much as this upcoming card, but had some certainly some implications for the heavyweight division, I think. Uh, we had two Bellator cards, Bellator making its annual trip to Hawaii. Uh, they had the show for, of course, the uh, first responders and the, the military on Friday, and they had another show on Saturday. And those shows were eventful. Before they even went down, we had a lot of weigh-in chaos, which 
some people love. I'm kind of mixed on. It's always fun to talk about. But there's also that part of me that just wants everyone to weigh in successfully and and uh, have the fights go on as scheduled. We had, uh, of course, a massive boxing match, Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia, which I imagine a lot of you tuned into or at least saw the highlights, saw the discourse around the finish, uh, saw, saw some of the uh, you know comments afterwards, post-fight, things like that, a lot of the incidents. And of course, every hardcore MMA fan's favorite topic, we had a lot of influencer boxing. I'm sure, again, you guys saw the highlights of those events as well. It wasn't just one event, guys. There was a Misfits boxing event. Misfits boxing is the uh, KSI-led influencer boxing promotion. And uh, that uh, that went on Friday. That was that was uh, headlined by Le'Veon Bell versus JMX. Not 100% sure what a JMX is, but that's what that was. And the next day, early in the day, it was a UK show. We had Kingpin Boxing. Kingpin spelled K-I-N-G-P-Y-N. Excuse me. Uh, we had Kingpin Boxing, which was also a bunch of influencers. And headlined by uh, Austin McBroom. And what people help me with this? What what am I? I listen, I uh, people should know I'm uh, I'm almost forty years old. These uh, and Ensign Gibb, excuse me, and Ensign Gibb, Austin McBroom too. Of course, I should have known that off the top of my head because I'm so hip and with it. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I was gonna, you know, Mike usually does a recap of his personal life and what's going on with him. I have no life. We got a lot of fights to talk about. Let's get right to the request. Let me see who I can bring in first here. Oh. Let's bring it. Let's bring in our pal. Uh, uh, on to the next one, veteran, one of the original. On to the next one, fight pick submitters and uh, a fine journalist in his own right, Tote Girding Jensen. Let's see if I can bring you in here and not blow up MMAfighting.com. Hello. I should have mentioned, thank you, Doug. I should have mentioned, that's right, we have the, the, the draft, the 2023 MMA draft, fancy draft we did. Last year I didn't do great. Now uh, I will check the poll right now and see how we did. But go ahead, Doug, please go ahead with your, uh, you'll go MMAfighting.com, check that out, and our podcast as well. Yeah. But, uh, sorry, Doug. I, no problem. I enjoyed your draft. Your pick of Jake Paul was nothing short of shocking and the right pick at the same time <laughs> because you need to make people care about Bellator. How do you do that? Well, you get a guy who knows his audience, and that's, that is what Jake Paul is. But my thing is this. So Curtis Blades – whoa, windy. Okay, uh, Curtis Blades is now out of options in the UFC, as I see it. With him losing this fight, he would have to fight, to quote Benil Dariush, 10 more guys to get even a sniff of a title shot. So my question to you – do you think if Curtis Blades went to Dana White's office, if he's even invited, if he just went there and said, hey, can you release me? Would UFC just say, sure, we, ha- we have no use for you? Because what, the way I see it, there's no, there's no use for UFC for him because he can just knock off contenders. And Curtis Blades will never get a title shot. So that's my question to you, AK. And... Uh, have a fun, uh, have a fun time being the uh, host of Lee of a Morning. Oh, thank you, Tuck. See, see, it's catching on, guys. It's catching on. I heard some people say, you know, Lee of a Morning doesn't make you know why. Like, heck of a morning is called heck of a morning, and I'm like, 
I'm not familiar with that phrase. I, I thought it was just because it's his last name. So Lee of the Morning, it's catching on. I think it might be trending by the end of today. I don't want to get too too hyped up about it, but uh, that's a uh, Tok, That's a great question and suggestion because yeah, listen. Much of the talk after Saturday night is where does Curtis Blades go from here? Because the guy has had so many near, uh, I guess you say near misses at a potential heavyweight title shot. The cards never quite lined up for him. He suffered some memorable losses, knockout losses to Francis Ngannou, to Derek Lewis. And I feel like those really stuck in the minds of the matchmakers and the fans. And he really does did need to go on some sort of run or at least knock off another contender. In this case, it would have been uh, Sergei Pavlovich, who was just white hot in the uh, heavyweight division right now. I think he has the, I want to say he has the longest active finishing streak uh, in the UFC in any division. I think it's now it's five straight, uh, five straight knockouts, uh, five straight wins all by knockout. So listen, he's, he's got a lot of buzz around him. Curtis Blaze could have taken that away. The tactics a little questionable. Uh, some might argue he wanted to show more. You know, he wants to mix the martial arts. He wants to show why he's no doubt deserves a shot at the heavyweight title, that he's not just a wrestler, but he probably would have been served to, to do that. Uh, without knowing what Curtis Blades makes, you know, without knowing his salary, and I imagine, you know, he's been around long enough. He's a heavyweight. He's main evented a few times. He's definitely in the six-figure range. He's probably a, a higher ticket item for the UFC, as it were, and uh, and, and in that sense, I do think that there's there's a chance that it, were he to go to the uh, to the front office and say, uh, "Listen, it's just we've kind of hit our natural endpoint here. Uh, I wouldn't if if you guys could release me and I could explore other options. You know, Bellator, one championship probably wouldn't name promotions exactly, but he would explore other options. Go do some boxing. I don't know. That's all the rage these days. Uh, since he seems to love his stand up so much." I could I could see them accommodating because I, I I would think they were in a similar situation with uh, Corey Anderson who was doing well in the UFC and you know whatever they just went their separate ways uh, I can't remember if his contract ran out or if uh, he did ask for his release but uh, I I think Curtis Blades fits in that range and again this isn't like I don't think the UFC hates Curtis Blades I don't think fans everything is Curtis Blades I don't think Curtis Blades hates the UFC I'm sure if, if the price was right he'd just love to stick around you know just because he can he's still a top. I think a top five heavyweight. We haven't updated our MMA fighting global rankings yet, but I think he's a top five heavyweight. I think he knocks off a lot of the names, a lot of the potential matchups that are for him next. And, you know, I don't know if he'll be able to rattle off that 10 straight that you suggested uh, he needs, but uh, he's still, th- there's a lot of good reasons for him to stay in the UFC. Again, primarily if they, the, it's where he thinks the best competition is and if he can, uh, you know, if they, if they compensate him appropriately, but, if he's determined to sort of get a fresh start and, and win a belt somewhere, it seems very likely it'll happen inside the octagon. And uh, maybe he does have to pursue other opportunities. So definitely something to chew on there. Thank you, Tope. Let's see what we can bring in next. Nathan- Remember to kick me off the stage as well. How Just, do I uh, do that? I have no idea. I thought you were taught. <laughs> this, this did not. This uh, Okay, listen, I will uh, oh, I will figure this out. Otherwise, Tope, you're, you're a co-host, I guess. Okay, let me see. Let me see how I do this. I think if I bring someone else in, let me see. All right, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, Stephen, hello. Uh, I think I might have you and Toke on now, so I'll figure that out. But uh, please, Nathaniel, go ahead and uh, and say your piece, sir. If you are there, yo, can you hear me? You are. Oh. Hey, hey, uh, Nathaniel, hey, what's up? Uh, yeah, what I just want to ask about uh, Colby, especially with. Um... Bilal and uh, Gilbert Burns fighting. Do you think like the winner of that fight 
is going to be the number one contender and fight Leon, or do you think uh, Colby is going to fight uh, for the belt no matter what? That's pretty much all I got. Oh, sorry, Nathaniel, can you repeat that? I was I was figuring out how to uh, do this onto this uh, chain speaker thing. Sorry, oh, go no, ahead. You're good. I just wanted to ask, uh, do you think Colby is going to get the uh, the title shot against Leon no matter what happens between uh, Bilal and um, Gilbert Burns, or do you think the winner of that fight is going to win uh, the number one contender and get the next title shot? That's it. Thanks, man. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a great question. Um, I want to say that there's a chance that uh, what happens with Bilal and Gilbert because look, it, it, those guys both deserve a shot more than Colby. We've Mike has talked about this. We've talked about this on our shows ad nauseum. And 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 I'll admit, listen, I, people know I'm I'm not the biggest Colby Covington fan, so there's a little bit of bias here. Uh, but there's also very strong reasons to give Colby the title shot. I don't think he's a massive draw. But to say that people don't talk about him, to say that he doesn't generate some kind of buzz, like even if it's not ratings wise, but on social media, uh, probably uh, website traffic for uh, impressions uh, for for the UFC, the stuff that they keep track of, that stuff matters. That stuff matters in today's day and age. Um, of course, they love pay per view buys. Of course, they love television ratings. But there's so many other metrics by which the UFC, uh, you know, gauges success, by which all kinds of uh, entertainment organizations gauge success that those kinds of things matter social media impressions is huge and and i know for a fact colby gets a lot of that whether it's because people are tweeting they they hate him or they love him he gets reactions right so so there is a good reason and 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 again i said sort of talking about curtis blades yes colby cumden has been inactive but i don't think anyone would argue he's not a top uh, I'm a top 10 at worst. And I would think most people would agree. Top five, top five. I don't know if he's in my top five anymore personally, but if someone puts in their top five, hard to argue. He took the former champion, you know, you know Kamara Usman to the limit uh, a couple of times. He's got, he's got a strong case, but if it were up to me and I could wave a magic wand, yeah, I would, I would love for Bilal or Gilbert to, uh, to get that shot. What would have to happen is, you know, mate, oh gosh, you'd have to have like a, a first round knockout. It has to be an impressive performance. Even like a dominant decision win for either Bilal or Gilbert Burns, it's just not going to convince. Um, it's not going to convince the UFC to change their plans. Dana White has had a contentious relationship with Colby Covington, but they do align uh, philosophically and, and politically on some things. And Colby has been pretty reliable for him again, other than having to sit out the last year, which, in fairness to Colby, was we can say is for reasons outside of his control. Maybe there's fights he could have taken, but also we know uh, he was involved in a bit of a lawsuit where his team was claiming uh, brain damage. So, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense for him to book a fight in the last year, but that's a, that's a really complicated situation, but uh, no. So that all that said, I would be very, very surprised if Bilal or Gilbert can sneak in there. Uh, I wish, I wish one of them could, but I do think Colby, you will see Colby and Leon next uh, so listen, we can keep asking, we can keep wondering why this is happening, but it seems pretty set. Nothing in MMA is guaranteed, but that I would go, if I were to give you a percentage of that happening, that's like a 90% chance Colby versus Leon. So, but great question. Thank you. Let's go to average avenues. Average avenues. What is up? Let's see if we can bring, hello. Yes. How are you, mate? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, I'm okay. A lay of a morning to you, my friend. A lay of a morning to you. Oh, a lay of a morning to you as well. So my my question is to for you is what what's your opinion on Calvin Gasol and moving back down to 170 and how you think he'll go yes. there? Yes. 
Amazing question. Thank you. I saw that. Thank you, Average Avenues. Uh, hold on. How do I do? Thank you, Average Avenues. Yeah, great question. I saw that. <clears throat> I saw that reported the other day. So I'm a I'm a pretty big Calvin Gaslam fan. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. You can ask the uh, MMA Fighting Rankings team. I had him hanging on for a long time in the top fifteen because. Again, it was it was looking at who had he lost to at uh, at middleweight. There was really no like embarrassing losses in there. M- maybe some of them were quick. There was like a quick Jack Hermanson submission, but I, I think Jack Hermanson's very good. That to me said more about uh, Jack Hermanson than actually how how bad Calvin Gaslam is. The Chris Curtis fight was great. I think it reminded a lot of people how skilled Calvin Gaslam is. Why for the longest time he was considered to be uh, a future champion at one seventy why he did fight for the uh, title at 185, took Israel Adesanya to the limit. The guy is supremely talented. And, and I've always believed he could make 170. I've always believed it. I have no problem with it fighting at 185. It's clearly more comfortable for him. Some pe- people can question discipline, but I also think sometimes people just have body types where they're just, you know, you're a certain, it's like, oh, he's a certain height. He should be able to make 170. But he's a stocky guy. He's a stocky guy. He's made 170 in the past, I know. But you get older, the harder it gets. He's going to have to, I think, transform his body pretty significantly to avoid having to make like a, a a weight cut that is just completely deleterious to his performance. So I love the idea of it. I hope Calvin Gaslam and his team are really being honest about this uh, as far as what changes that they are going to make. Because uh, Calvin, how old is he? I, I keep thinking he's old, but he, he started the UFC so young. Calvin's only 31 years old. Uh, he turns 32 later this year. He's got a lot of mileage on him, so he's a little bit older in fight years. But he was very, very young when he joined the UFC. I think he was the youngest American, I want to say, uh, ever to appear on The Oldest Fighter. If I'm wrong, people feel free to correct me. I remember there was a younger uh, fighter on an international season. I'd be an Australian guy. Uh, Iadise, I think Iadise was his name. So, But he was the youngest American. So he, it feels like he's been around forever, which he has. But in real life age, he's only 31. It's, it really isn't too late for him to drop down. We've seen older fighters go the other way. We've seen them drop back down. But never was such a complicated way in history as Calvin. Because that 170 cut is really brutal for him. But listen, you guys saw him fight at 170. He looked like he was going to be a world title challenger someday. If he could just fix those problems with the scale. And then we saw at 185. Again, he's had some struggles. But the guy is so skilled. Endless cardio. That takes you a long way. Great striking. And he's a really good wrestler, too. He doesn't have to use it a lot. He's, he's, he's the kind of guy who's really converted himself into a great, uh, you know, uh, a striker, grappler, and not the other way around. But he has that, too. He mixes the martial arts well. So I, I think, I really do believe, given uh, how welterweight he is right now, if he can actually drop down there and not have trouble making weight, he can get himself to a title shot within three fights. Three fights. It'll be one fight down, you know, uh, sort of test it out. And then a fight against like a top 20 guy. And then you give him a fight against the top 10 guy. And he takes, and then so 2024, it's, it's possible. But listen, this is Prince of Positivity talking. I might be way off base here. Uh, but I, I would like to see Calvin Gaslam give it one more shot. I'd like to see one more shot. All right, let's bring in QP. QP at the QLP. Let's see if we can uh, bring, hey, hi, QP. You are on, sir. I think you just need to unmute. Yo, hey. this is good, bro. What's good? I thought I was a little late. I thought I wasn't gonna be able to ask a question. Um, but I got I recently got a call to casual in the comments because um, when all the when all the fights were get, were coming out about um, 
International Fight Week, I said, well, where is the Jamal Hill and, uh, and Izzy fight? So people said, oh, that'll never happen. Oh, you're a casual. Why would you think that would even happen? And I said, well, if you watch all the interviews, that's literally the fight they've been calling for. Nobody in light heavyweight is booked, or people in light heavyweight are booked, and uh, Yuri still hasn't come back yet. Jamal Hill doesn't have a fight within the next six months. Izzy clearly doesn't have a fight within the next six months. And then everybody in middleweight just got booked against each other. So I, I thought that that was the UFC trying to, you know, uh, basically, you know, move towards that direction. But what do you think? And do you think it's a possibility we see that fight? If not, International Fight Week um, sometime, I guess, uh, late summer or early, I guess, September? Hmm. Okay, I'll think about it. Thanks, QP. Thank you for the call. You know, I... I don't think I'd heard too much about that matchup. Keep in mind, uh, I, I don't read everything. I don't see every every comment. Uh, maybe I haven't keeping up been keeping up with Jamal Hills and and Izzy's uh, comments about who they want next. But um, I don't mind that matchup at all. Uh, I agree. Light heavyweights in a strange place right now. With uh, we all want to see Yuri fight Jamal Hill, but that was such a bizarre situation with the injury. And then uh, immediately, rel- immediate relinquishing of the title, but then kind of later saying, "I expect to be back," you know, sooner than than uh, than may have, you know people may have initially thought. It was very, very confusing. So if we don't get him in Jamal Hill, I'm not sure what other great options you have at 205 at the moment. Uh, let me take a quick glance at the rankings here. <sighs> Ankolaev, where is this guy right now? I want to say he's not booked yet. Uh, let me, sorry guys, I'm just, if you hear me click clacking away, it is, I'm just doing my quick, quick research on the great topology.com. Uh, Jan, Jan Blahovich is also an option, but I think uh, I've always wanted to see those guys run it back. I'm sure they'd most, both much rather just kind of move on and get Jamal Hill, but it would feel weird to give one of them a title shot off the draw. It could happen. Regarding, uh, Jamal Hill and Izzy, I think that's a very smart call out by Jamal Hill. If he's talking about it, uh, people know, I'm, uh, I'm critical of Jamal Hill. I really hated some of the comments he made um, following Dana White's, uh, you know, domestic violence uh, uh, New Year's Eve incident. Uh, Jamal Hill really made an ass of himself. But putting that aside, he had a great performance against Govashera. He really does have the potential to be the uh, unequivocal, I think, number one light heavyweight in the world. He's not there yet. Um, some people might have put him up there because he, he is currently holding the undisputed title, right? It was vacated. This is, an in, this is not an interim belt. He is technically the undisputed UFC champion. Um, and again, looked great. I mean, that was a five-round dominant performance against Glover Teixeira, which to me was like just as impressive as if he'd, if he'd start Glover. If he starts Glover, we might be like, oh, you know, well, he's a younger, more athletic guy. He just kind of kind of caught him. But to kind of outwork him and really, really, uh, you know, show off his full skill set against Glover, surviving some situations on the ground, it was very impressive. Uh, him and Izzy would be a super fun matchup. Um, depending who you ask, I, I always hear different things about how people thought what people thought of uh, Israel's fight with Jan Blahovich. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, I thought Jan was, you know, won a lot of the striking exchanges as well. Definitely uses grappling to seal the win later in the fight. But Izzy did not look out of place at 205. I do wonder if he's uh, one of those guys who, you know, you'd want to see him when he moves to a five, like permanently to make a real change like real bodily changes because he makes 205 now like no problem could he add on some muscle could he make himself a more dedicated light heavyweight physique wise probably probably um would he do that for a one-off fight with jamal hill 
I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I like the, I like the idea of that matchup. And Jamal Hill's a tall, light heavyweight, but he's not like massively big. And I don't think we'd be worrying about him just like tackling uh, Israel and like using his size advantage to to control him. So it'd be a fun striking battle, and and not one that like Israel's guaranteed to win. Because like I said, Jamal Hill, I don't like him. I don't like him personally. But that dude has all the potential in the world uh, to to string together some light heavyweight tail defenses. And if he started off his first defense against Israel Adesanya, that get a lot of people talking. Let me tell you, a lot of people say Yuri's still the number one guy, but if even I know, I know is he's a middleweight, but I tell you, if you if you get a win against him, your credibility goes up way, 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 way high. So um, yeah, cool idea. Again, I wasn't aware that that was really buzzing about, but cool idea. Uh, guys, I'm sorry, I have to bring this man in. I have to bring in the esteemed New York Rick. Yes, he's getting MMA fighting slash MMA hour privilege. I apologize. I will get to more of the uh, the, the you fine folks soon enough, but I have to bring in. Eric Jack. Hello, Alex. How are you? New York Rick, thank you for blessing Lee of a morning with your presence. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Let me just be the first to say what an incredibly good job you're doing. It, oh. Unbelievable job, um, truly, uh, this morning. So uh-huh. thank you um, for, for manning the uh, the ship this morning. Happy to do it. Um, my question to you. I, let, me, let me start with a statement. I feel like we're being robbed of um, prime Hamzat Shamayev years. He's just been oh. very inactive. Now, I will grant there's certainly been some travel uh, issues. I, I know that he's notoriously hard to to get around and, and that's kind of like half rumor, half reported. Dana White has mentioned it. Lots of things going on with that. But I also feel like there's the UFC kind of trying to like cherry pick some of these matchups for him um, where eventually they either inevitably fall apart or there is some kind of travel issue. And then ultimately we don't get Hamzat Shamaya fights. And it's very frustrating as somebody who's one of the, the founding members of the Hamzat Shamaya bandwagon. Um, but that leads me to my question. You mentioned Kelvin Gastelum. I think John Jones is an example of what I'm about to ask, but who's a fighter that you feel like you were robbed of, of some of their prime years for one reason or another, or some of their fights or just wanted to see more, um, and ultimately weren't able to kind of see for one reason or another. Oh, wow. Thanks. Thanks. That, that is a great question. All right. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to think about this, but I will, I will got to talk about a little Hazmat first as well. Uh, Hamza, excuse me. Thank you. All right, everyone. I, I will get to some more questions. I don't want to, I won't muse on this for too long. Yeah. I mean, listen, Hamza has to be up there. This guy went from fighting three times in what, in like two months uh, looking like he was going to break the record for UFC wins, finishes every record in the book. And I think we knew it was going to slow down. We didn't know it was going to slow down so much. Uh, you know, th- listen, things beyond their control. COVID happened. We, for- we forget the only reason he even went on this crate, like this crazy debut for the UFC is because they're on Fight Island. Just n- nothing was was normal nothing was i don't know if they would normally book a new guy to again you know fight that frequently uh, no matter how impressive he was if it wasn't for kind of the screwy circumstances uh, that were surrounding him and, and and the early start of his his ufc career so it, it is unfortunate he's definitely way up there uh oh how could i i, I was gonna say it's gonna take me a long time to think of uh think of an answer i'll say i'll say two i'll say two first uh a little bit less a little bit less but I was really sad with what happened with Chris Holdsworth. Uh, I'm a big Ultimate Fighter guy, as people know. He looked great on Tough 18. That was a really cool season. That was um, mixed with women's bantamweights, I think. I think that was them. And I think Juliana Pena, Raquel Pennington was on that season. Um, And then for the men's bantamweights, like Davey Grant. That season, 
actually people should know that season is kind of what helps me uh, gain confidence as a writer and sort of gain like a little bit of a little bit of traction in the MMA community because I was doing uh, Ultimate Fighter recaps you know right when the show was definitely starting to sort of go downhill as far as level of interest and i love doing uh, i love doing it and i was doing i think a, a couple seasons before this i was doing international seasons too and tough 18 there was a scene where uh if people remember anthony uh, i think his name's sharkbait anthony sharkbait gutierrez was struggling to make weight it was a terrible terrible situation for him ronda rousey was his coach he's trying to get him together he started he was in such bad shape and so far gone from making weight that uh, when they sort of like, oh, can you go to the washroom and maybe like sweat something off or just take a leak to try to lose some weight? He instead started drinking uh, shower water. It was really depressing and sad. Uh, hopefully, I, I, thankfully, he fought after and did some other stuff. I think did some pro wrestling too. But yes, yeah, that anyway, th- that whole scene uh, I wrote about it. That was hilarious. I got some great people responding to me, and I was like, okay, maybe maybe writing can can uh, can work out for me. So uh, here we are now. Uh, Ultimate Fighter 18, thank you. And the winner of that was Chris Holdsworth. And Chris Holdsworth uh, looked great. Uh, he won He won the show, dominant submission grappler, a uh, guy out of Team Alpha Male, and fought once after the Ultimate Fighter. He beat Chico Camus. And then that was it. That was it, because as we all know, uh, his career was derailed by a concussion in training. A lot of fingers pointed at TJ Dillashaw. I don't know. Listen, I, I don't want to get into like blame, blaming people, but clearly something happened. He hasn't fought since. This was back in 2014. I don't know if Chris Holdsworth was going to be a world champion. I don't know if he was going to you know, be a top 10 guy. You know, A lot of these later season Ultimate Fighter uh, competitors are all over the place. Some of them went on to be, depending on the division especially, some of them went on to be top 10, top 5 guys. A couple fought for, you know, challenge for titles. Uh, others had two fights and they were out. Others never came close to being top 30 in the UFC in their division. So, and then contender series comes along and now it doesn't mean what it used to, but I had really high hopes for Chris Holdsworth and I felt a bit bad for him. The other, the other obvious option people know, I love me some Ryan Hall. Uh, this guy just can't stay healthy, which is weird because he's not like a, he's one of those guys where you, you think because of his style, you know, he's the greatest grappler I've ever seen in my life. It would be very conducive to longevity. He's not like getting into wars. He's not staying in, standing and bang, but he just cannot stay healthy. And he's missed on a lot of big fights. I'm just looking at his topology. Uh, Dan Ige would have been a great fight. Ricardo Lamas would have been a great fight for him. These are fights that legitimately could have moved him higher up in the rankings. And it just didn't work out that way. So I have felt very robbed of the, uh, the Ryan Hall experience. Another Ultimate Fighter winner, by the way. And that was back in 2015 when he won. 2015, he's fought... Five times since then. Five times in eight years. I feel robbed. I feel robbed. Anyone else want to chime in, please do. Uh, but also, you know, please keep those questions coming. Let's bring in... Oh, I got to bring in Tristan Gordet. I got to bring in Tristan Gordet. I cannot do the show. Oh, the, oh. oh, I might have lost him. Tristan, I'm sorry. Tristan, if you're out there and I missed your call, please... Uh, please try and chime in again. Four Corner Sports, another heck of a morning regular. Oh, here we go. Hey, hey, um, um, AK. Um, it's actually, what is it's the- actually nice speaking to you. Um, what's it called? I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, so the main event that happened with uh, Pavlovich and and uh, Blades. Do you think that Blades is suffering from the Kamara Usman effect? And what I mean about that is, he got to the dance. He got to to the UFC by wrestling. And I feel like he has 
possibly like the best skill set in the heavyweight division. What I mean about the the whole Kamaru Usman effect is that he fell in love with his striking. And I felt that I think Jed had possibly tweeted this out or somebody from MMAFighters.com tweeted this out that if he would have used his IQ and just tackled what's it called, um, Sergey Pavlovich and forced Pavlovich to try to get up and, you know, try to use offensive wrestling to try to avoid being on the ground, we would have seen a different fight and that would have favored uh, Curtis Blades. But do you think that Blades is suffering from the Kamara Usman effect from uh, just falling in love with his striking? Is That's what it seems with, with a lot of wrestlers now. They get they knock people out. I remember he knocked out Chris Dawkins, and I was surprised about that. Thought he was in a he was in a you know stretch it out, but I don't know. I just thought that Pavlovich had what's it called? We would we would have seen a lot of um, more answers. Um, more questions answered if Pavlovich would have lasted, you know, going into the second round. I actually picked Pavlovich to win um, by round one, um, TKO. And um, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Ryan Garcia, uh, Tank Davis fight. And then lastly, I know you're a big NBA fan. I know your, your Raptors are not in the, in, the, in the playoffs. Which team are you rooting for in these playoffs? All right. Thanks, AK. Thank you for Corner Sports. Thank you, sir. Uh, first, all right. Uh, first, I'll answer. Uh, I'm kind of rooting for the Denver Nuggets. I'm a fan. Uh, I just love Nikola Jokic. I think it's uh, it's always awkward when a guy who's won multiple MVPs has not even made it to the NBA Finals. This, of course, happened to Canada's beloved Steve Nash. I don't think that diminishes Steve Nash's legacy at all. I don't think it diminishes uh, Nikola Jokic's legacy at all. But it is... It is nice for someone who's and, and and I don't think Jokic is going to win it again this year. But there's a chance he wins the MVP again. He's in the top three, and to make like to win three consecutive MVPs and not make the NBA Finals uh, ever, which again there's still time. But it'd be not, it should be this year. This year would be would be good for him. Would be shocking. So rooting for them. Also rooting for the Phoenix Suns a bit for our beloved uh, Shaheen Al Shadi, who has been. He's been suffering quite a bit. He's been suffering quite a bit. He's very hopeless. Uh, I think they have a strong chance, if not this year, next year. But um, I, I don't know if Shaheen Al Shadi can take much more of this. Uh, what this team has been putting him through the last couple of seasons, coming pretty close, uh, and also having some embarrassing flameouts like last year. So uh, Denver and Phoenix, anyone but Boston, New York, or Philadelphia, those teams can get stuffed. Uh, Davis versus Garcia. Was uh, yeah, so I was uh, I was covering a lot of that for MMA fighting. Very cool fight. Uh, I agree with a lot of the analysis that Garcia he was I, he won the first round. He wasn't doing badly in the second round either. It looked like you know it, before the knockdown happened, it looked like it was a pretty even round. Garcia probably if he kept his strategy would have won that round as well. So you know, did he get over aggressive? Uh, did Davis just figure him out? Either way. Clearly, that knockdown changed the whole complexion of the fight. It was Davis the rest of the way. Uh, Davis, a great, great, great boxer. Um, and the, the body shot, I I can't stand the the quitter talk. Uh, I, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just being overly uh, protective of a fighter. But when you saw the replay, I mean, that shot, he stepped right into that Davis liver shot. I mean, and, and Tank Davis, again, this, we're not talking about, like, Mixing the martial arts here. We're not talking about guys who are like some kind of strikers, kind of wrestlers. This is these are these are boxers, man. And those gloves, 
the impact really those goals really drive the impact home with punches so uh it doesn't surprise me that there was a delayed reaction we've seen that in mma you know we've seen that in mma from head strikes we saw that with shane burgos and edson barbosa so anyone questioning like oh did he just feel like suddenly feel a wince of pain and decide he couldn't continue anymore i, I think he got shut down as he did with a normal body shot i was listening to carl frampton on uh, the MMA hour on monday and again hey, listen he knows more about boxing than i ever will and he he Went along with, uh, listen, Ariel asked him, do you think that Ryan Garcia quit? Carl Frampton said yes. So, listen, that's that's the opinion of an expert. I can disagree all I want. I, I know he's not the only expert out there who thinks that maybe Ryan Garcia could have continued. He kind of sprang up right at, like, the count of 10. He kind of got back up. I guess people want to see him writhing in agony. But for me, it's he's a fighter. I think if you know, you know. If you His legs are probably gone. Like, he, he probably could you know the pain is it's just it's just not we can't imagine it as viewers you know so that's why i trust other boxers i respect them if they're saying they think he could have continued but i think that's that's pretty harsh uh but yeah very entertaining fight not a bad card overall too i think two of the two of the undercard fights are really good and then there was there was one stinker but uh good good night of boxing certainly and, and as for curtis blades uh first off hashtag keep the martial arts apart guys this is why i say this curtis you got to go to brought you to the dance you're, you're a wrestler uh, has his striking improved a lot? He had good moments on Saturday. I rewatched the fight. I'm like, whoa! Like he's tagging Sergey with some of these shots. He's got some combinations going. His hands are good. But at no point in the fight that I feel like, oh, this should stay on the feet the whole time, and, and and Blades will win or Blades will knock him out. I never felt that way. I said he's winning these some of these exchanges. He's also getting hit himself, and if he gets hit again, you know, one too many times, he's going down. And that's what happened. So I understand the need to, again, show off your all-around game, to impress, to make a no-doubt case that he is the number one heavyweight. But these are the, these are the consequences, right? Now, now we're talking about we're, we're talking about him leaving the promotion. We're talking about him never getting a UFC heavyweight title shot. So if he'd wrestled his way to a decision or wrestled his way to a ground-and-pound TKO, I mean, would it have been, you know, maybe it wouldn't have made headlines, but he'd still be winning. He'd still, he'd st- he'd still be in that conversation. So I don't know. Tough to watch. Tough to watch. Let me bring in uh, Azwali. I hope you're still around. I know you've been waiting a while. Hopefully, Azwalia is still with us. Regular heck of a morning caller. Can you hear me? Hey, Azwalia, I hear hi. you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. All right, so I um, just have uh, two, three things I'd like to ask. I'll make them really quick. My first thing is, um, what do you see next for Armand Sarukian? Because we know who's actually been the headline this card this Saturday against uh, Renato. But um, is it possible they could reschedule that fight down the line? Or you think it would be a good time for the UFC to push him out and fight the um, the loser of the Benil Oliveira, um, the loser of the uh, Benil Oliveira fight, uh, as he's the only guy outside Jalen Turner from the the next generation who's not been tested against the current top five um, lightweights, and just also regarding Hamza Chimaev, um, we know his prime is actually getting wasted. Um, he's probably screwed up his chance at getting the welterweight title, um, even regardless um, if he were to go back down there. Because, uh, you know, first of all, um, Benil, I mean, not Benil, um, Bilal and Gilbert, they're going to be fighting for the title. And, you know, even if Gilbert were to win that fight next, um, in two weeks' time, um, he still lost to Hamza. And obviously, Hamza's in a position where he could still request for a title. But I think it's best if he just focuses on middleweight because, you know, that's probably the better weight class for me anyway. And if he wants to find the Waterway title, I think what I see the UFC doing in the future is Dana will probably want him to win 
that belt first, get one, two title defenses, then fight for the world if he really wants. Uh, and just my third thing is, um, what do you see, when do you see the Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler fight happening? Um, and there, yeah, that's it, man. Have a good day. Thanks, as well. Yeah. Yep. A trio of good questions. Let me, I'm just making a note here so I don't forget them. Let's go, let's talk about Sarukian first. Uh, I would hope they just rebook the Moicano fight. I think it makes made a lot of sense for both guys when it was put together. Uh, I'd certainly like to see it happen. But you raise a good point that this could be a blessing in disguise for Sarukian because getting the loser of the Darius Charles Oliveira fight would be huge for him. Those would be huge. Those are those are two top five lightweights. Hanato Moicano, good lightweight, probably in the top twenty, top twenty five somewhere. Very deep division. And Sarukian, I think. Would, be, would have been pretty heavily favored in that fight. I don't know what the initial odds were. Uh, see if we can find a find anything here. Maybe maybe they didn't drop, but uh, he would have been favored in the fight, and that's fine. And that's fine. And uh, a tough opponent would have looked great if he if he beats him. Um, does his usual Sarukian thing, but um, if he could get uh, Oliveira Darius, I mean that would just be enormous. I, I don't think his team should try and hold out for that. If I'm them, it's just get him in there. Um, Mike, you said you say all the time, like for a guy like Armin, you just need to give him exposure. You know, you just need to keep getting him in fights. Um, but uh, in this case, how old's Armin now? Armin's twenty six. Plenty of time for him still, but boy, if you could get him in there, and, and he, listen, even if you lose a fight to a Dariush or a uh, or a Charles Oliveira, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world. You want to be in that conversation. And should that happen, then Armand's only UFC losses would be to Islam, Mateusz Gamrat, and then Benil or Charles Oliveira. So, you know, nobody wants to lose. People want, everyone wants to put together a long win streak, especially at lightweight. It feels like you have to do that to even get a sniff at a title shot. Uh, but I would rather they just rebook. I, I, I don't think he should wait around. I think it's uh, a, a bit of a risk, but um, hopefully for him, blessing in disguise. But uh, otherwise, if you're, if you're Moicano, you want to get that money and, and get that fight and uh, maybe take this kid's momentum away from him. Uh, the other, what were the other two questions? Hamzat, um, he, it, man, listen, he's closer to Alex Pereira in size than he is Leon Edwards. The guy is just massive. And it's great that he can make 174. He probably still can now. But the way he mishandled his last weight uh, disaster, I get it. They can blame doctors and blame whoever they want. The point is, man, you are just so big and clearly not within range of the welterweight limit. That's a problem. That's a problem. It's great that if you can, like, if you want to stick yourself in a sauna for 36 hours and, and just completely destroy yourself and you can do it, awesome. I'm glad commissions and the doctors, the medical team are trying to veer fighters away from that. So, let's. That's a tactic that, listen, it might have been favored 10 years ago. We're moving on now. We're moving on now. So, Kamza, if you're serious about 170, kind of like we said with Gosselin, you got to make serious changes. 185, he's still totally contender. I think this is this is the way for him to go right now. So, uh, it, it yeah, listen, New York Rick brought it up too. It, it sucks that the Kamzat experience has become so dreadful to talk about. We should be talking about this guy getting in there three times a year, just trucking people just showing why he's arguably a top 10 pound for pound fighter. He just doesn't have a division right now. And it's very frustrating. So comes up, please get it together. Matchmakers get on the same, talk to this guy. Dana White, talk to this guy, get this guy on the same page. No more waffling. None of this. Oh, I want to, this guy's at 170. I want to fight. This guy's at 185. I want to fight. I want to be a two division champion. Pick one. Just pick one right now, please. 
please. That's as fans, that's all we can ask for. Uh, and the last thing, oh, Chandler and McGregor. Uh, I have to know when Tough Thirty is. Oh, Tough Thirty One, excuse me, is premiering. I don't think I don't know if that has a. Oh, May thirtieth. May thirtieth. So let's see. It takes about what ten weeks for the show to go. So you can expect to see that. August feels like a weird month, but I guess they'll have to aim for August. We're talking about yeah, end of May, June, July, August. So it'll be either end of August or early September. I don't, I don't think there'll be much of a delay, or I hope not. I've, I've said in the past that these Ultimate Fighter matchups do tend to get uh, junked up. I think they've had good luck with them recently, but uh, sometimes again, it's such a long wait. There's so many things that can happen to both fighters: injuries, uh, outside the uh, cage issues. I'm looking at you, Conor McGregor, uh, that they delay these kind of things. So hopefully not, and hopefully we see it uh, mid-August. Late and uh, no later than September. No later, no later than September. That would be ideal. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Brian Gross, I'm bringing you in, man. What do you got for me, Brian? Brian, you are muted. Uh, hopefully, you're still there. I know you've been waiting a while. I'll give you a second. I, I, I have so apologies to everyone. I know I've been uh, making some of you guys wait a while, maybe being a little long-winded with my answers. So, Brian, I know you're on mute Sorry. right now. That's oh, there you are. No worries, no worries. I was making you wait. I was making you wait. <laughs> Thank Please. you. Uh, nice to hear you on a uh, morning. How are you doing? Thank you. Oh, I'm doing great. Thank so you. I had a couple questions. I just want to touch on the Garcia thing. Um, I actually was super impressed with Ryan Garcia. I 
was not a big fan of his coming in. I thought the pretty boy, typical like social media boxer kind of, obviously not Jake Paul social media, but like gotten big off social media. Um, however, I was super impressed with his aggressiveness. I think it's just a lot of technical stuff. Um, I mean, Kustin's a great trainer, but I think he has to get with the big boys. Um, the defense has to get better, but there's no doubt in my mind this could be one of the best things that happened to him because I think this really would turn him towards one of those elite guys that he needs to kind of pivot his career because he just needs more defense. His, his head movement's non-existent. But I want to get your opinion on two things. I just wanted to defend Garcia there a little bit. Uh, two things uh, when it comes to MMA, blades and like heavyweights in general, um, especially like Volkov and those guys. I don't understand why they don't go to PFL, and I'd love to hear your take on this because I know you touch on the PFL a little bit. Um, heavyweight, you don't have to cut weight. It's usually the quicker fights especially blades nobody's going to be able to touch his ground game let alone most in the ufc let alone the pfl so wanted your opinion on that and then i also wanted your opinion on what are you looking forward to most on bkfc this weekend rockhold perry or mendez alvarez i'm a chad mendez fan so i can't wait for both of them though but just wanted to get your opinion on that thanks ak awesome thanks brian Oh, BKFC. Let me talk about the PFL first. I do I do love me some PFL chatter. I'm just looking at the PFL heavyweight standings this year. Because I was gonna I was gonna say this whole thing about how, you know, everyone keeps saying use these kind of in limbo UFC guys should just jump over to the PFL. It's an easy one million. And I was gonna go, it's not that easy, you know, this this the season's difficult. Uh, so much can go wrong. You only get two fights really to prove yourself to make the playoffs. The playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, but again, this is heavyweight, so the making weight, you know, multiple times in a short span doesn't matter as much. That's true. And there's also this is the heavyweight roster, and I say these. I, listen, these are good fighters, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure most people are not super familiar with these names uh, right now. Leading the standings at the <laughs> quote unquote midway point of the PFL season, which is to say, everyone has fought once. Dennis Galtsov, number one. Bruno Kapalotsa in second. Maurice Green, former UFC fighter, third. And Danilo Marquez, I believe also a former UFC fighter, at fourth. And then uh, Rizvan Kuniev coming in at fifth. And then behind them, Henan Ferreira, uh, Jorgen De Castro, Marcelo Nunez, Mateus Scheffel, and uh, Cesar... Cesar Ferreira. Is that former UFC middleweight, Cesar Ferreira? No. It is, isn't it? I'm out of the loop here with the PFL. Um, but yes, uh, and now I guess now that I've said all those names, it's pretty easy to picture throwing Curtis Blades in there and just walloping this group, isn't it? It's, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to picture that. So uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, an, it's an option for a lot. It's an option you want to think is available for a lot of fighters. Uh, keep in mind, the PFL, they still negotiate with people. I don't believe it's a flat rate necessarily. Uh, per, they still pay, pay people per fight. Uh, I don't believe it's a flat rate. At least if you talk to Anthony Pettis, he certainly was saying he was making a good amount of money. He is making a good amount of money there, I think, regardless of whether he wins the tournament or not. And he has not really come close uh, in his couple of seasons there. So they're still negotiating. They're still negotiating. There's still a cost to bring in a guy like Blades. And and again, and same thing for Blades. For Blades, you still, yes, that million-dollar prize, tantalizing. But fight by fight, you still want to make a good amount of money. So... Fighters might be willing to take a little less than their market value to get to the PFL, again, with the promise of the, the million-dollar prize at the end. But like any promotion, there's, there's organizations, uh, there's, excuse me, um, negotiations that need to be done. So it's a very good option for him. It's a very good option for Curtis Blades. Uh, and, you know, if, if what happened 
that was suggested earlier happens that he does decide to go to the UFC or the UFC goes to him and there's a mutual parting of ways. Uh, listen, that's a great, this is a great option for him. I would not be surprised if you see Curtis Blaze in the PFL someday, someday, maybe not soon, but someday it's, it's a, it's a great place for him to go. Uh, as for the BKFC, I could tell you I'm a purist and I really want to see, you know, the Eddie Alvarez, uh, bare knuckle fight, Chad Mendez. It's great. This, this sounds so cool. How can you not be fascinated by the train wreck that is Luke Rockhold and Mike Perry? Uh, the trash talk, I don't know if there already has been some. If there has, I've probably been ignoring it, but I know I won't be able to ignore it for long. Uh, dreadful, I'm sure, uh, wherever it is, or if, if there's more to come this week. Uh, the matchup, very bizarre. Uh, uh, not a fight. It's one of those fights, if, if it was proposed in the UFC, if someone said Mike Perry versus Luke Rockhold uh, on an episode of On to the Next One, my best friend Mike Heck and I would call that straight up doo doo. They'd be like, "It's a terrible pick. Why would you put Mike Perry in there with Luke Rockhold?" But the world of the BKFC—it's a different universe, man. There's you—you you throw two fighters in there, suddenly, you know, suddenly anything is possible. Let, let me paint that in the nicest light I can. Suddenly anything is possible, and God help us—we are getting Mike Perry versus Luke Rockhold. I, I think when this is made, everyone's just assuming Mike Perry's going to knock Luke Rockhold out. But uh, I look, he's kind of a smaller guy. Uh, Luke Rockhold is a good, I think he's a better striker than people think. Uh, he's certainly, you know, more well known for, for his grappling. But uh, you think he's a better striker than people think. And I think the size is going to matter. So I'm not making a prediction. God help me. If you think I'm making a prediction on this fight, you are, listen, you got it. You got another thing coming because I'm not even going to try to say who's going to win. But I do expect randomness, chaos, and fun. And combat sports is supposed to be fun. So can't believe I'm saying this. But yes, I am leaning towards the Mike Perry-Luke uh, Rockhold fight as being the more must-see bare-knuckle battle. But goodness me, I, what, a, what, a, what, a tough, what a tough question. All right, let's bring in... Uh, who's this young man? Let's bring in this... Who's this guy? Uh, Michael... Michael... Michael Heek? Mike Heek, are you there? Uh, can you hear me, AK? Yes, is this, yes, Mike Heek, is this you? Yes. Am I pronouncing that right? Am I pronouncing you're, that right? You're pronouncing it right. And let me just, let, let me just say right off the bat, you have a face for television and the voice of an angel, AK. You are just <laughs> Oh, thank it. you. Absolutely Stop crushing it. it. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, I'm out running errands right now. Uh, but I did have a question for you, AK, because in a little under two weeks' time, we have UFC 288. The return to Newark, New Jersey, and the main event is Aljamain Sterling versus the returning Henry Cejudo. And nobody has been more excited about Henry Cejudo coming back than I, of course. Mm, Yes. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. If you're the UFC right now, who are you rooting for to win that fight? Are you rooting for Aljamain Sterling to win that fight, or are you rooting for Henry Cejudo to win that fight? And I ask this because... It seems like the UFC kind of wants the belt off of Aljamain for some reason. But Henry Cejudo, if he wins, he'll probably fight Sean O'Malley. And then he's probably not going to fight anybody until it's Volkanovski or Bust at that point. So if you're the UFC, long term, who are you rooting for in that fight? Who do you hope comes away with the Bantamweight Championship of the world? I will get out. I will listen. And you are just crushing it, my best friend. Oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you. And thank you for still making this a heck of a morning. Thank you. Uh, God, that was lovely. Guys, I'm emotional. I'm sorry. I have to uh, I have to uh, make a little note here. 
and the note is not to cry when I hear my my best friend's voice. Uh, yeah, look, Aljo is such a weird uh, case because whether you like him or not, I feel like he should be a bigger star than he is. There was a huge issue when he was coming up as a contender where for whatever reason, the UFC refused to like put him on main cards. They just would not put him on main cards. Y- you can make the case that this was, you know, um, as they were getting on ESPN. So maybe he was better served being on, um, you know, ESPN prelims anyway, uh, before pay-per-views. And that's fine. That That's a fair argument. He probably did get some exposure that way. Uh, no complaints there. A lot of fighters like going on earlier so they can, you know, they can enjoy the main card. So they can go back, shower, whatever, get checked out, and then enjoy, the, get, they get to be seen later on camera watching the main event. So I'm sure it wasn't like the worst thing in the world for Aljo, but it did feel like they weren't really behind him promotionally. Um, I don't know the reasons for that are. I think charismatic guy, I think good looking guy. I think a good, I think a pretty exciting fighter. Um, I, I know there were some decisions in there that, you know, some forgettable decisions, but every fighter has those. Every fighter has those. Uh, comfortable on the microphone, definitely likes to talk a lot. Again, love him, hate him, agree with them, don't agree with them, likes to talk a lot. The UFC is usually down with that. And then he's had this really kind of strange championship run with the disqualification. And then I guess people didn't find the second win over Jans that convincing. And then he beats a one-armed uh, TJ Dillashaw. And now they match him up with someone that we know the promotion does like in Henry Cejudo, which is a bit strange because Cejudo left them high and dry when he retired. And, and uh, Mike rightfully asked the question, who should the UFC be rooting for for the UFC 288 main event? I think, I think, I would like to say neither, neither man. I would like to say that the UFC is impartial, but I'm sure internally they're, they, they do have plans for one of these men. I think Cejudo. I think Cejudo. It, the fact that they're bringing him back, I'm going to give the UFC the benefit of having foresight here. The fact that they're even bringing Cejudo back and giving this title shot tells me they've had some discussion about him not just coming back and this being a one-off. Um it helps them if they want to push a Cejudo versus Alexander Volkanovsky super fight someday. That's been talked about for a long time. Mileage may vary on that one. I think it'd be a cool fight. It's not you know, on the top of my list of like dream fights, but it'd be cool. It'd certainly be cool to watch Cejudo very interested in becoming champ, 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 including his gold medal. So I think they're leaning slightly towards Cejudo. I don't know where they go with Aljamain uh, if he beats Cejudo. Yeah, Sean O'Malley. And in that case, I'll probably be rooting for him. Definitely be rooting for O'Malley to beat Aljo. Um, but Aljo losing the belt also kind of solves the Marab problem. You know, Marab Devalish really is out there. He is not going to fight Aljamain Sterling. They're very, very, very close friends. <clears throat> Should Aljo lose, he has mentioned going up to 145. USC would love to see that. Again, a, a big star changing divisions. A lot of good things happen for the UFC if Henry Cejudo wins. And Henry also has just a little bit more mainstream cachet than Aljo. So if they're not impartial and Dana White and whoever's in the front office, whoever's counting the, uh, you know, counting the beans out there has a vested interest in anyone, I do think it is Henry Cejudo. Uh, all right. I know a lot of you guys have been waiting. Let me get to, oh, well, I got to bring in CV for a good reason. I got to bring in CV for a good reason. CV, uh, I'll wait, oh, there you are. I'll, I'll wait for you to load your mic. But before you go, CV, I believe it was you. I hope you listen to heck on to the next one, because I believe Mike credited you with with uh, giving him the idea that they would move the UFC Vegas seventy one co main event of Song Yudong, uh, Song Yudong, and uh, I'm blanking here. Song Yudong, what was it? Yeah, I did, I did, I did listen to it. Uh, thanks, thanks for the shout shout outs. Yeah, 
Well done, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Leo of a morning yeah. to you. Um, just to, Leo of a morning. Just two quick questions for me. Um, first off, um, how do you think Patchy Mix um, fares against the cream of the crop of the UFC's man and weight division? Oh, like like Aljo or, or even Marab? And, um, and second question, non-MMA related. Um, as a fellow Torontonian, um, who would you like to be the next Raptors head coach? Thanks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Perfect question. Thank you, CV. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, two excellent questions. Let's talk about uh, Patchy Mix. Let's talk about Patchy Mix. And by the way, I'm sorry, Song Tong versus uh, Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone's a great fighter. I've spoken to Ricky before. Ricky, if you're out there, I apologize for forgetting that you're the uh, you're the second half of this uh, main event. That's a great fight uh, going on this Saturday. But yes, uh, Mike and, and CV both uh, suggest this on Heck of a Morning. I think a couple, oh, sorry, on to the next one, Heck of a Morning. They brought it up that uh, the, the co-main of UFC Vegas 71. We moved to this weekend to save the card. And lo and behold, it came to fruition. So excellent call, guys. Great work. Patchy Mix. Boy, if you guys could see the internal discussion we had on our Slack channel when Patchy Mix just unloaded a beautiful knee on uh, Ruffian Stotts and put him down. I'm not exaggerating when I say some members of the MMA fighting staff were like, this guy is the number one, the number one bantamweight in the world. They're saying this guy could go up and take out anyone in the UFC. Maybe this, again, has more to do with uh, how strong of a champion they think Aljamain Sterling is, how strong a contender like Sean O'Malley is, how poor, you know, Peter Yan's form has been recently. Maybe that's why we're sort of so enthusiastic to, to launch Patchy up there. But Patchy has also just looked amazing. Let's talk about him, just his own virtues first. He loses that fight to uh, Juan Archuleta. Big learning experience. Juan Archuleta, a very good fighter, a bit more experienced than Patchy. And there's, you know, when we see someone lose that first title opportunity, there's always two ways you can go. Does that, does that, does losing that title, that first title shot define you? Or do you, do you go from that and become a better fighter than ever? And we've seen many fighters do that case. They lose one big fight and they become, go on to become one of the greats. George St. Pierre, of course, Canada's own fantastic example. He, he loses the fight to Archuleta and then submission of Albert Morales, submission of James Gallagher. Unanimous decision win over Kyoji Horikuchi in the opening round of the Bantamweight World Grand Prix. That, to me, at the time, was a shocker. Even given the size difference, um, even given how highly I think of Patchy, I still thought that was going to be a Kyoji win. And Patchy convincingly beat him. That was great stuff. Chokes out Magomed Magomedov, one of the guys a lot of people were avoiding in the Bellator Bantamweight division. Chokes him out. And I was picking Stotts to, to win a decision on on. Uh, Friday, excuse me, Saturday. On Saturday, I was off. Beautiful knockout. Not 90 seconds in. Uh, Patchy's legit. Guys, I, I know I know uh, a lot of us only have time to keep track of one promotion. That's fine. I'm not judging anyone who only watches UFC or only watches one or PFL, if, those, if that's a thing. But if you're missing out on this belt or bantamweight division, uh, you're missing some good stuff. Because Patchy is legit. And, and so is Rofion Stotts. I don't want people to look at this like, oh, well, he just, you know, Rofion now dro- should drop out um, because he lost. No, Rofion was, was on a run before running into Patchy. Rofion's a top 15 bantamweight. Is Patchy a top five bantamweight? I think so. I think so. I'll give my personal ranking now. I have him behind Aljo, Marab, and maybe just O'Malley. And that's based on accomplishments. Because I, I really value that O'Malley win over Yon a lot. 
if you're asking me who would win a fight between Patchy Mix and Sean O'Malley tomorrow, I mean, look, you got to set the odds. I think like minus 200 Patchy, minus 250. I don't know. I'm not a great odds maker, but he's he's a significant favorite in a matchup with Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley does have the name value, so I could be wrong. Just based on that, Sean O'Malley could open as the favorite. But if anyone who's watched both guys fight, Patchy is just a super dangerous guy. Again, well-sized for the division. Uh, great grappler. You know, we're talking about that knee knockout. He's an outstanding grappler. He's such a fun grappler to watch. I pick him over O'Malley. I pick him over the current version of Jan we've seen. I don't know. Jan's just in a bit of a slump. I would pick him over Achito Vera, Rob Font. I think the interesting matchups are Aljo, Sandhagen, and Umar. Umar, I pick almost to beat anyone. Uh, he just needs a few more for me to put him higher in the rankings. But yeah, O'Malley, Piotr Jan, Chito Vera, two highly respected UFC contenders. I'm fine saying Patchy could beat them, or at least be in the mix with those guys. That's how impressed I was. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's both. And as for the Raptors, I'm really looking at uh, Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson currently serving as the bench bo- uh, assistant coach excuse me, for the uh, Golden State Warriors. And I like the Warriors. I don't want to see him go out in the first round. But should they get eliminated by the Sacramento Kings? I'm just saying, Kenny, you got to have some free time in your hands. Come up to Toronto. It's getting beautiful up here. We've got a beautiful sunny weather, sunny spring weather now. Uh, come on up. Take a look. See if you like it. Uh, I've seen other suggestions. I was glad they didn't get Emu Udoka. I think that front office, I think his, his baggage is a little too much for me personally. Um, n- not to speak on his coaching skills, but really, again, that's, we got a good culture up here. I don't want to bring that element in. But Kenny Atkinson has done a great job with teams that are sort of in between. He kind of had that force upon him the last time he was coaching the Nets before they brought in all the, the second wave of stars. He was kind of in limbo, and they kind of said, do what you can with this. And uh, he did a great job developing a team that like wasn't quite rebuilding um, but wasn't quite contending either. And I think that's where the Raptors are going to be after this offseason. It's going to be they're going to try to rebuild. It's going to be hard to do it. Uh, so, But anyway, enough Raptors talk. Kenny Atkinson, if you're out there, please come visit Toronto. Terrence Lavrette. Terrence Lavrette, I know you've been waiting a long time. Uh, my Twitter friend, no, no jokes about uh, the Raptors going back to uh, uh, Disneyland, please. Uh, but <laughs> maybe go ahead. for you, Louis. Okay. Um. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing that. So okay, I was calling to ask you questions in advice. So, like you just asked one of the questions about Bellator, but um, one of the other ones I wanted to ask about is Illinois. Um, requesting she's been doing this for years. Requesting a um tournament. And Cyborg as well with her being asking, is it time to strip her? Um, so I want you to get a grand prix on that. Terrence, oh, sorry, it's a little bit hard to hear you. I don't know. Are you on speakerphone or are you on? It's a little bit. You're, you're asking about uh, Alima? Yeah, yeah, can you hear me better? Oh, much better. Okay, it's yeah. a headset. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, with Alima being out um, for, well, not being out, excuse me, with her being retired in a little bit, um, is it? possible that we get that Grand Prix before she leaves. Uh, we haven't had a women's Grand Prix yet, which I think is sad. Um, in regards to Cyborg, she hasn't fought in a while. Would it also be beneficial for them to have a featherweight Grand Prix so that way they can work that out? And the last question I had was in regards to, uh, I know you kind of were trying to be nice about it, but I need you to be a little bit less positive when it comes to like Rayboard and them messing up the Orkichi fight. Um, like who's in charge of that? Is this the start of something? Like, are we about to see a start of a uh, flyweight division? And now it's supposed to be the start of it. And who do you think would be good in that division? Or will they have to bring other people? That's all I got. Thank you. 
Okay, thanks, Terrence. Uh, I'll touch lightly upon the, the 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 flyweight thing. Yeah, listen, too bad for Ray Borg. It, it it's 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 on him as well. I know it's his responsibility. You signed the contract for one twenty five. You should make it. But uh, I've harped on about this. He shouldn't have been in position to 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 have to do that in the first place. He's not going to say no to a fight with Koji Horiguchi. It's a great fight to get his career back on track if he wins it. And if they say, well, listen, you've got to make it 125. Koji wants 125. He's going to say yes. But it's his management's job. It's Bellator's job to negotiate away from that, to say, no, we are not having our guy fight at 125. He just can't make that. Let's go for 130. And I know I heard rumors that during fight week, it was changed to 130, but it was not Hosers. It was signed as a 125 fight. If there was going to be 130, they should have aimed for 130 when it was signed, or even better, 135. Koji is a former bantamweight champion. They don't have a flyweight division. Was this fight supposed to start uh, a flyweight division as you as you suggested? We don't know. It wasn't billed as that, so it wouldn't even serve that purpose if, if that was the point because they didn't even hype it up as, as such. If they were, that would have been a good idea to saying, yeah, listen, we're this is how we're going to start our flyweight fight with one of the greatest of all time, Koji, and a guy who said so much talent. You know, everyone said could be a champion at 125. It wasn't built that way. It just wasn't built that way. So very frustrating for me. I hope Ray Borg's okay. I hate how his management treated the situation. It was absolutely grotesque. Um, Ray Borg, for sure, responsible for his own decisions and his mistakes. But man, you keep putting this guy in this position to make those mistakes. And you take responsibility for that as well. Very, very frustrating to see. Bellator Grand Prix at flyweight and featherweight. Boy, um, I'm a big Alima Lane McFarlane fan. Uh, she's only 33 years old. Uh, but she's smart. She, listen, she wants to get out of the business before she takes damage, before she takes too much damage. She's very smart about it. I think she's made good money with Bellator, and I hope that when she decides to retire, uh, she, she, you know, we, we see her in the commentary booth. We see her you know, uh, uh, doing on social media and, and hanging out with fighters, but she doesn't want to fight anymore. She doesn't have to fight anymore, and that's great. Um, Grand P would be awesome. It would give us, you know, a chance to see to see Alima some more, to see, uh, you know, put it, assuming she advances in the tournament, at least two or three more fights. That'd be great. Her, I, uh, you know, her her I, ideal matchup now is to fight her, uh, as she put it, her sister wife, Liz Carmouche. Maybe you make that the maybe you make that uh, potential second round matchup to make sure it happens. I think you're playing with a lot of fire if you try and set them up on opposite sides of the bracket to meet in the Grand Prix. Women's uh, flyweight is a pretty good division, and there's really no guarantees that Alima. Uh, makes it to the final, or Liz Carmouche, for that matter. So I don't, I don't love the idea of that. Uh, Scott Coker addressed sort of the complications of just making that fight straight up happen, especially in Hawaii, which would be awesome. Uh, it's just hard to go back there sometimes. Uh, the Neil S. Blaisdell Center, according to uh, Coker, is undergoing renovations after this event. So it's going to be that that location where they've been going every year is, uh, you know, is out of the picture for now. Um, then he mentioned the Stan Sheriff Center, which I imagine is a smaller venue. Uh, and he said they're going to talk about it. They're going to talk about hosting something in Hawaii at the Stan Sheriff Center. They usually only go once a year. So if they can make something happen this year, that'd be great. But he said a lot of their calendars booked as well. So fitting in another Hawaii show is just kind of logistically difficult. So does that mean if Alima wants to fight Liz Carmouche uh, for the title in Hawaii, you'd have to wait another year? And Carmouche has to wait a year. I don't think Carmouche wants to do that. Uh, Alima maybe would be willing to wait if she can guarantee her last fight is in Hawaii. But I think the best the best thing to do would to book her in a Grand Prix. And listen, she can always have her last fight in Hawaii. That can always happen next year. It just might not be against Liz Carmouche. It might not be for the flyweight title. But I think it'll still be worth it for her to do it. That That is always on the table. 
So one year from now, if she, if she really is confident of retiring, there's a fight they can make for her and, and that, that go away can still happen. But this, this ideal dream match is, is a bit sketchy. And, um, the featherweight Grand Prix, the only problem with featherweight is, man, it's just, there's, I always say there's just not enough talent, but listen, Bellator brought in Kat Zingano. They brought in Sarah McMahon. They have Leia McCourt. They can always bring in other fighters. They're smart. They have, they have, they don't have a women's bantamweight division because why have one when you can just have these women fight at 145? We joke a lot about the UFC's women's bantamweight division, how it's kind of a, a dead zone. And we just saw Carol Hossa, a top 15 women's bantamweight, go up to featherweight for almost no reason and lose the decision to Norma Dumont. So what are we doing over there in the UFC? So good for Bellator for essentially saying, yeah, why do women's bantamweights? We're just going to make them fight at featherweight. So Grand Prix, not against it. I'm not like super in love with it. We don't even know Cyborg's coming back. You, you absolutely cannot do a Grand Prix without Cyborg. I think that's senseless. Uh, but we don't know what her situation is. So hopefully they get her sorted out. Um, but I, I love the idea of Flyweight Grand Prix, Featherweight, eh, not so much. All right, guys, I'll take a couple more here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, let's go. So if you're, if you're in the, if you're in there, I'm going to get to you. I see two more requests. YVMZ, I'm going to bring you in and then CNM sticks. I think you're going to have to be the last one. Apologies to everyone else who uh, called in. I'll try and get to you tomorrow. Uh, I'm working, working on juggling this, this Twitter machine. Hi, Kay. Heck of a morning. Uh, just two quick questions for you. Um, uh, with, uh, the arrest warrant out for Nate right now, do you think the Jake Paul fight, um, happens? Um, seems like yesterday he was telling him and, uh, Jake and KSI to just fight, uh, without him. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And two, uh, what should be next for Jared Gordon and Bobby Green? Um, that disqualification obviously hurt both fighters. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on who you think should be next. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the, uh, for the questions. Well, that Diaz, that Diaz one is a, is a whopper. Uh, thank you, YVMZ. I see two. Okay, I see one more for. All right, I'll try and get to these last two. I, I I see how Mike has such a difficult time logging off now. I I always think I'm always listening to the heck of a morning, and I'm always saying, man, Mike's just gotta cut some of these guys off. But you keep seeing people come up. They keep bringing great questions and great comments, and you want to just keep going. So, uh, okay, uh, Nate Diaz. First of all, so let's read this out here. Uh, he was uh, an issue. An arrest was issued. Arrest warrant was issued on suspicion of second degree battery uh after of course a bourbon street brawl that saw him uh choke a logan paul lookalike unconscious again i've didn't you know i actually haven't watched the video myself but uh i don't think let's see it is now as today is april 25th today 
and their fight supposed to be August fifth. I, I want to say best case scenario. Listen, uh, we again. I want to repeat: suspicion of second degree battery. There is a possibility Diaz, you know, again shows gets arrested or at least uh, you know turns himself in. Sounds so weird to say turns himself in. And then the battery, uh, the, the the charge can always get reduced. He, I'm sure, I'll have a good lawyer. The charge can get reduced to something else, some sort of misdemeanor. Uh, he pays some sort of fine, does some sort of community service, kisses some babies, shakes some hands. Uh, he's not he's not going to jail. Obviously, I don't think anyone is concerned about that. Uh, if I'm wrong, that would be, uh, uh, I mean, not shocking at all. I'm wrong about a lot of things, but I think he pays the fine. I think it's some bad PR. Um, but otherwise, I think we're far enough away from the fight that he'll be okay. I would be surprised if it's canceled. Him saying, you know, whatever, just go on without me. Uh, you know, listen, Diaz isn't isn't an expert either. Uh, I'm sure his lawyers are sort of talking him down from that notion. I do think we see this fight happen. It's 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 a bit... Uh, I, I hope we don't end up in a Tommy Fury, Jake Paul situation where all kinds of little weird things keep pushing it back to the point where, like, the interest has kind of waned. Uh, I think this is a much more intriguing matchup than Tommy Fury, obviously. So I don't think that's going to happen. But um, again, this is combat sports. This is the relatively untamed Wild West world of influencer boxing. And uh, it, it, this is, this is, this is uh, as you mentioned, there's a possibility. Who knows? It doesn't happen and we just lose this fight. Maybe it just never happens at all. But if you're at, but my, my money is on he's, he's getting a fine, no jail time. Uh, again, make his apologies and we will still see the fight happen. If not August 5th, sometime this year so it could be postponed I, I i don't see a cancellation and uh gordon and green as regular on to the next one contributor hayes bethard always says run it back well he says run back draws i think you run back no contest as well uh it just makes a lot of sense for both guys green uh Gor- jared gordon was looking good in the fight i was predicting like a pretty easy win for bobby green but it's competitive competitive until uh uh bobby green went left way on him and hit him with the torpedo headbutt so uh and uh, for anyone who wants to hear more from Bobby Green, he was an MMA hour on Monday and completely unhinged. Um, it, it was a very Bobby Greenish, and it was 10 Bobby Greens at, you know, it was 11 Bobby Greens out of Bobby Green interviews, uh, the interview scale for Bobby Green interviews. So uh, uh, kudos as always to my man, Ara Hawani, for, uh, for navigating that conversation as best he could and Bobby Green for being his usual entertaining self. All right, last caller, CNM Sticks, I'm bringing you in and then I do got to get out of here. CNM, you are on. Are you with me? Did I wait too long? Let's see if let's see if we can get CNN. Hi CNN there, Mr. Here. Lee. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm so happy I'm... that you're doing the show today. Thank you, thank you. I I, I, I love it. I love Wonderful. it. I, I would go on. I wanted to uh, just jump on. I'm actually trying to get ready for a meeting simultaneously, but I had to okay. jump on to support you. You're one of my favorite MMA analysts. I think you're amazing. And I just wanted to very quickly, two questions. Well, actually one question, I guess you can say. But uh, the Pennington and Aldana fight, pardon me, that's coming down the pipeline, no one's talking about. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. And also the Hermanson versus Allen fight. I feel like this is really important for maybe both of them, actually. But especially Hermanson, he just kind of needs to, he needs this win pretty desperately. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on it. And you take care of yourself, okay? You too. Have an amazing day. Thank you, CNM Sticks. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, well, I definitely have to end there. Sorry, I see another request. I'm definitely going to end. Thank you, Amelia. I will, I will see if I can get to you on Thursday or cross my fingers. I'll do a show Friday as well, but I'm, I'm going to have to uh, take, take a stop here. Uh, so let's talk about Raquel Payton, Irina Aldana, a rematch. I think a lot of people maybe don't remember their first fight. Uh, very competitive. <clears throat> Excuse me, very controversial. Not, I don't say very controversial, but it was a split call that definitely... Excuse me, guys. That definitely was not uh, a, a resounding win for Raquel Pennington. But she does have that W uh, over Aldana, which adds intrigue to this this rematch. Especially since Aldana is someone who so many people want to see her get a title shot. Uh, we, as, as much as I've just criticized sort of the women's 135 division in the UFC... Because some of the fighters, you know, are kind of nondescript. Uh, Irina Aldana is very well known for being an exciting striker, a great power, uh, great personality. She's just really out there. She's, you know, she's part of this wave of Mexican fighters. Another one that people want to see her at least compete for a title. Uh, that liver kick of Macy Jackson was one of the strangest, best knockouts I've ever seen. It was truly bizarre. Uh, but she, but this matchup makes a lot of sense. I know people would just love to see Irina get the title shot right away. She did miss weight for the Chiasin fight. That doesn't mean they can't. They couldn't have given her a title shot. We've seen fighters get uh, title shots under weird circumstances. I want to say Tiago Alves. There's probably a more recent example. Tiago Alves, I think, missed weight for Matt Hughes and then uh, got to fight GSP. He did win by flying knee knockout, though. Uh, so this fight, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I get it. People aren't talking about it. It's it, it, it's People don't remember the first fight. Uh, Raquel Pennington, I, feel, I don't even know if people know that she's on a five-fight win streak. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe just don't are, are a little worried that Pennington wins and we get a rematch with her and Amanda Nunes because it would be undeniable at that point. It'd be undeniable. If you think Aldana deserves a title shot and Pennington beats her, how can you deny Pennington the title shot? Six straight wins, two wins over Aldana. I know the first fight with Amanda Nunes was not close. It was uncomfortably not close at times. I mean, Amanda Nunes really put the gloves on her. But that was five years ago now, and I think I'd be fine with Raquel Pennington getting another shot. Because you never, you listen, you never know. You never know where Amanda Nunes is at this point in her career. We'll see what ha- where her motivation is if she uh, if she beats Juliana Pena a second time, moves on from there. So I'm fine with that. And if Aldana wins, of course we're all in. Make the weight, win this rematch, avenge this loss. Viva Mexico. It's this is a title shot everyone wants to see. So I'm glad I'm glad they made this matchup, even if, um, as you said, it's not necessarily being talked about that much. And Jack Hermanson and uh, Brendan Allen, of course, is an important matchup because we are talking middleweighty middleweight stakes here. I wish Mike were here because I have lost track of the lineage of who is actually the middleweighty middleweight champion. I don't think Jack Hermanson really even fits that bill. Uh, I know we're always kind of fudging around with the definition of what is a middleweighty middleweight, but I feel like you have to have been in like more sort of listless, odd decisions and not have a distinct style and no, like very few signature moments. Jack Romanson has way too many of those, uh, like, you know, interesting fights, win or lose. So I think he's out of there. Uh, but Brendan Allen, I get it. I get the middleweighty middleweightness and good for him for uh, that upset of Andre Muniz. And by the way, he, put me on blast on social media uh, as one of the people predicting that he would lose. He would get handles for Andrew Muniz. Might have been my wording. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, very cool fight with Jack Hermanson. Um, yeah, so these are, these are flying under the radar. How close would this put either man to a title shot? 
it's hard to say. It's hard to say. We have the DDP Whitaker fight coming up. Of course, that's your number one contenders fight. Um, if Whitaker won, I suppose there's a case that they wouldn't be thrilled to give him a third shot at Izzy right away. I think they'd be fine with it at this point, but there's a chance they don't. And then you have Hermanson or Brendan Allen, maybe one fight away. But <sighs> Brendan Allen going for his fifth straight win. That's a strong case. I can't believe I'm saying this. I've just, Brendan Allen's a really good fighter. I've just never viewed him as a top five guy. And beating Hermanson doesn't make him a top five guy, but it might jump into the top five of names that the matchmakers are looking for if they're just trying to keep Israel Adesanya busy, uh, depending depending where he goes next in his career. That's funny, man. I hadn't looked at that. So uh, thanks for pointing that out to me. But guys, that's it. Listen, I, I uh, think this has been amazing to do. Uh, I will be here again on Thursday. And again, I hope to do an effort Friday, uh, as Mike always does, where we can talk more about MMA or other topics. But uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for everyone who called in and who got in, for everyone who missed out. Uh, again, I will make sure to try and reach you uh, on Thursday uh, or Friday the next time I'm on. Uh, let's get, but keep it coming, guys. Amazing questions, amazing comments, great energy. What a way to start the day. Uh, I am, I am filled with life. I'm filled with life right now. So thank you, everyone. And this has been uh, Alex Lee serving as your guest host for the wonderful Mike Heck on Heck of a Morning or this week. Lee of a morning. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.